Legion, Episode 6, Part 2. The sins of the father will be visited upon the son. Jonathan is waiting in the car while Helena is changing her hair color. He looks over old photographs on his phone of him and Richard and Zoe back in the day. In the bathroom, Helena removes her purple hair dye she always had in her hair, and instead chooses red, a similar texture to Zoe's. Since her hair is already pretty long, she forms into a quick side ponytail. Helena passes by Zoe. So you chose red. Nice. Kinda look like twin sisters. I needed a new color change, so it works out. Okay, I'll see you and Jonathan when you both get back. Helena gets inside the car with Jonathan and he starts up the vehicle and they drive off. I wanted to ask you something. What is it, Helena? You said something to Richard about he hunted his own guys and killed them for credits. Is that true? Did he do that? Jonathan didn't say anything at first to Helena. He didn't want to freak her out about Dykstra's past, but reluctantly told her the whole story. None of us came back home with any job security or money. Once we finished fighting the wars, they just abandoned us like yesterday's garbage, tossing us to the side. For Richard, it felt like a complete betrayal of everything he did. His last desperate move was to become a freelancer. We are then introduced to a flashback of Richard. He's younger, has a full head of hair, and wears a long black jacket, which is very similar to an old-fashioned duster jacket worn by the American cowboy from years ago, back on the frontier. Richard doesn't have any cybernetics installed in his body. He is completely human, and hasn't become the half-human, half-cyborg he eventually becomes. Richard goes into an area that is known for a lot of crime and sprawl. This is part of the lower city, where a lot of disenfranchised people hang out and home to a lot of murderers, smugglers, and drug dealers. People start noticing Richard, but he keeps walking. Richard comes to a building. He takes out his Vector 235 handgun and shoots the lock. He pushes on the door and it opens and he enters inside. The building is a mess. There is a lot of dust, chairs and furniture all over the place and we see very old computers collecting dust. We can also see some bugs crawling around and scurrying away once Richard's stalking around. Richard goes through a hallway, continues to walk and stays vigilant but he can see someone run across the room into another hallway. Richard follows the guy. He walks through until he stops and feels a cold metallic surface lightly touch the back of his neck. Stop right where you are. Richard has his hand slightly raised. Okay, you got me. The man walks to where Richard can see him. Hello, Richard. Hello, Cedric. Haven't seen you in a while. Cedric smirks at Richard has a crooked smile on his face. I'm a drug dealer. That's how I get my money. When I returned home, I had nothing. The United Colonies didn't give anything to me. When I finished my time in the military, my wife Cynthia left me. She met another man. My daughter and son don't want to see me anymore because of my PTSD. I'm sorry, Cedric, Richard says. What are you doing here? I'm a bounty hunter. Is that right now? So you came all this way to kill me and take this and turn it in so you could get some credits? Cedric shows his dog tag that he has around his neck. Richard sees it and he nods to him. Cedric, I need the money and the bounty on you is 10,000 credits. And the report said you have killed a lot of people. I'm sorry, but it's necessary. Wow, 
You're cold, Richard. No, I'm just a professional. Too bad it's all going to end here, comrade. Cedric is about to pull the trigger, but Richard's reflexes are lightning quick, and he grabs Cedric's arm and dislocates it, making his gun drop to the ground. Richard then throws him on the floor, and he takes Cedric's handgun and points it to his face. Okay, I yield, Dykstra. I'll make it quick. Cedric closes his eyes, and Richard shoots him. <laughs> takes off the dog tag, collects it. Richard returns to the sprawl bounty office and turns in the dog tag. Guy who runs it, Alistair Greenberg, looks at it to be sure it's authentic. Okay, it's a real one. Here's the 10,000 credits. Alistair slides Richard a case that contains his reward. Richard takes the case and leaves the bounty office. We see Richard being operated on by a doctor, one of the many doctors who deal in augments. Richard gets new cybernetic upgrades to his body. Each week he goes after a bounty and afterward gets another augmentation. It becomes a ritual. Finish the job, get the reward, get some cybernetic upgrades. Ritz and repeat. Richard, week after week, kills and racks up more and more dog tags from former soldiers who served in Phantom Squad. And each week he upgrades himself advanced tech. Around certain circles within Sprawl, he gains the moniker Tin Man because he has no heart, no emotion, just an icy cold demeanor. We return to Helena, listening to Jonathan finishing up Richard's story. So he kept on getting upgraded with new augmentations? I could hardly recognize him from the numerous operations he went through. Any important people in his life, like girlfriend or Richard? As far as I know, never had a woman in his life. He wouldn't admit it, especially to us, but I know for a fact he has some serious issues with any type of emotion. That's why he was always good at killing. We started calling him the Tin Man because he honestly had no heart. That's a sad life to have. I bet it hurts to see your friends struggle with that. Well, that's enough of story time. Let's get what we need and head back to the apartment, Helena. The World Council meeting is held at the Citadel. It's an installation out in space where the leaders convene to talk about various policies that will be voted in for the well-being of everyone in the galaxy. President Armitage has already arrived, and the Vice President Neil Ackerman as well. What's the news from your sons, Mr. President? I've already sent them. They will let me know when they reach the destination. So, who will be present at this meeting? Well, we have the new Prime Minister of North Korea that we planted as one of our own, so that our agenda is met. And what about the new Russian President? Alexei Karamazov is another puppet that we planted. He will not be difficult to handle like Dmitry Sevchenko which was your predecessor's antagonist. Well, we did have some help in ousting him from his country. Paying off some mercenaries and installing our own guy was an excellent tactical idea. I agree, Mr. President. We are nearing the entrance. That'll be all for now in terms of updates, Neil. The two men enter their section for the United Colonies. The auditorium is massive and we see drones fly around the area getting video of the proceedings. The members of all the other installations enter the auditorium. The various platforms where the members are seated begin to move around the arena. United Colonies platform is the first to give the address. It's a pleasure to be with you at this time, my fellow colleagues. British Prime Minister Arthur Sunderland gives a slight smirk at John Armitage's welcoming address. Since landing the presidency, Armitage and Sunderland have never seen eye to eye. The last president, Stephen Denight, was someone that Sunderland could tolerate in small doses yet was particularly ignorant of various issues. But Armitage was a man that Sutherland absolutely detested, mostly due to his unwavering faith in technology and science, and from a past conversation that they had at a dinner party, where John talked about his love for Anne Rand and her philosophies. For Sunderland, 
This was certainly a hard pill to swallow, and he suspected John was going to try to entice him and introduce some of the United Colonies' technologies to him. Technologies that he knew damn well he was going to refuse. But also, he had seen the video that Hiroyuki Daigo leaked on the internet. He knew about Legion being loose on sprawl. These two things were more than enough to use against Armitage. Prime Minister Sunderland, you seem slightly irritated. Is something wrong? Arthur looked at Armitage. He could see that John was staring at him intently with those cybernetic eyes. He also heard the story about those eyes and how effective they were at reading the brain and possibly uncovering various thoughts of what a person was thinking. Arthur's composure was very poker face, but he replied to Armitage's query. President Armitage, I understand you are facing a problem with a person who leaked a very top secret video to the internet, and you have an AI that has been causing you a lot of problems in the city of Sprawl. The president smiles. I can assure you, Prime Minister, I have professionals working on the issues as we speak. Inside a hovercraft, we see Armitage's three sons, Michael, Jesse, and Darius, wearing black tactical armor. They are armed with rifles. If we encounter any resistance from anyone protecting Hiroyuki Daigo, they are to be eliminated with extreme prejudice. Is that understood? Says Darius. Michael and Jesse nod their heads in agreement. The hovercraft continues to move at a fast clip. In the middle of the financial district, we see a massive corporate building. This building is Dreamwalker Studios, Hironobu's video game company, which was passed on to his son, Hiroyuki. Inside the employee restroom, we see Hiroyuki cutting his hair, his top knot removed. After finishing, he leaves the bathroom. He has two bodyguards with him. They are armed with handguns. They are there to protect him. You cut your top knot, sir, the bodyguard, Kaz Harai, says to Hiroyuki. A man has to be prepared for his own funeral. We will protect you, sir. The way of the warrior is resolute, acceptance of death. Bodyguards are puzzled by what Hiroyuki says. It's an old quote by a famous samurai, Miyamoto Musashi. In times like these, it helps to learn from old masters who have faced death before. Down below, Richard parks his car at the entrance of the building. He goes inside the front door, looks around, and he calls Jonathan. Jonathan and Helena are driving back to the apartment. Jonathan answers Richard's call. Are you in the building? Yes, Jonathan, I'm inside. How close are you to home? We are five minutes away. Ping us once we are back. Got it. Richard walks through and sees pictures on the walls that show Hironobu. Richard sees the entrance to the elevator, and he walks inside. He hits the button to go up to the last floor where Hironobu's son is located. Richard reaches the exact floor and he leaves the elevator. Richard has his handgun up. He walks into a room and sees Hiroyuki and his bodyguards. The bodyguards brandish their handguns, alarmed at Richard's presence, thinking he is an assassin. Who are you? Are you an assassin? Kazurai says. We aren't joking. We will kill you. Yoshi Akuma, the other bodyguard says. I'm not here to kill any of you. I'm here to get you out of here. Hiroyuki gets up from his chair. Who are you? My name is Richard Dykstra. I saw your video you posted. Maybe you can help me with a problem of my own. What exactly? There is an AI that is on the loose in this city. I need some to defeat it. Hiroyuki checks his pockets and then walks over to a desk and opens one of the doors on the bottom of it. He grabs a small item that looks like an SD card. 
These cards, once inserted into a slot, can damage and rewrite code for various AI subjects. Our company worked on these to help the public if AI became too much of a problem. Do you know if this AI is using some type of robotic body that has a slot? No. But if it does, this card will be very useful. Here, take it. Hiroyuki gives the card to Richard. Now, I have to get you out of here. You're in a lot of danger. Let's head to the elevator. That will be the quickest way to leave. Richard, Hiroyuki, and his two bodyguards enter the elevator. Richard hits the button to go down in the lower floor, but nothing is happening. Soon, all the lights within the building start flickering, and then everything goes dark. They all put special goggles on that allow them to see in the dark, except for Richard. He can already see in the dark with his upgraded eyes. The enemy approaches the building. Armitage's sons are inside their hovercraft. All power inside the building has been switched off, the pilot says. The pilot is wearing a helmet that has cords connected to the ship's systems. These pilots' brains have been enhanced with cybernetic upgrades that allow them to cut power to anything that has electricity inside. Excellent work. Get us close to the building, Jesse says to the pilot. Richard, Hiroyuki, and the two bodyguards are running through the building. How can we get out of here? We will have to take the staircase. It's long, but it's the only way since the power is out. They all reach a long span of windows. It's dark outside, but something approaches with lights. They turn and see the hovercraft outside. The gun turrets on the hovercraft start up and begin to fire. Richard and Hiroyuki get out of the way, but Yoshi and Kaz aren't so lucky. They are killed by the gun turrets, which rip them apart. Richard and Hiroyuki continue to run. They find the room that leads to the staircase. They head down and begin to descend downstairs. Back at the Citadel, John Armitage continues to offer the leaders his technology that he has developed. They are not budging. This angers Armitage, and he takes matters into his own hands. Very well, we will do this the hard way. Instantly, armed soldiers appear out of nowhere and begin arresting the council leaders that are not cooperating with the United Colonies. One delegate from Sprawl is present at the function. It is Michael Irving who is watching all this chaos go down in his box. So now that I have your attention, I think it's time to administer the chip. He signals his soldiers and they all brandish a gun-like device. They all aim it close to the neck of the leaders and shoot it inside them. Now, all of you are interlinked within the system. This chip, which is called the Armitage chip, will allow me to always see what you are doing and to better protect you, the people. Now, have a seat and relax. Everyone sits down, back in their seats. Armitage's soldiers leave. Armitage and the vice president, Neil Ackerman, leave also. Michael Irving is also heading to the exit. Hello, Irving. I wasn't aware that you were going to be here at this function. I left the job to my assistant. Nadine, and our city's AI, the Master. I am aware that Legion has escaped yet again. Don't worry, I have my specters investigating his whereabouts. However, my assistant has informed me that the people are unhappy with this lockdown. They want to know when it will end. Patience. The lockdown is still active until Legion is caught. When you get back to Sprawl, hold a press conference to tell the citizens of your city that eventually... They will be able to get back to their usual activities, but for the time being, they must adhere to the law. Understood, sir. I will do that. One more thing, Irving. Your city will soon receive the Armitage chip. We are mass-producing it. I want to inform you that it is well on its way of reaching Sprawl. Thank you. This will do a world of good for Sprawl, which has seen many criminal cabals damage our reputation.
It would be nice for this ship to rehabilitate people, have them on a secure path in life, shall we say. Excellent. I couldn't have said it better myself, Irving. I have to leave. Can't run the frontier of space without being its leader. Have a safe flight back home. Thank you. You as well. The men part ways. Michael Irving gets on his starship, but while sitting down makes a call to his office assistant, Nadine, who is running the show. Hello. Sir, how was it? Nadine, it's what I feared. Everything is starting to happen. Armitage authorized the chip at the Citadel. They are under his control, and soon other installations across space will be receiving the chip as well. Okay, we need to move forward with the plan. I'll contact a person I can trust. She will know what to do. Good. I'm heading back. See you soon. Moira Vanek is at her place. She is asleep until a television is signaling a call. She gets up and turns on the television. Nadine, how are you doing? Moira... I have some information that Michael was able to give me. Okay, shoot, I'm all ears. Okay, well, the president has authorized the use of a computer chip that can effectively control the populace, submitting only to his will. The first phase of their overall plan is underway, while the second half is murky. We do not fully know how it evolves from there. Shit, we have to stop this. Do you think you can help us? You do have connections to the underworld that could tear down the regime. Perhaps I can see if one of the syndicates could help us. I have a personal relationship with one of the crime lords. Good. We need all the help we can get, but also talk to your friend Richard Dykstra. Let him know about this information. Understood. Both you and Michael should be careful, though. You're in danger of being exposed. Right now, our sole priority is to tear down this regime, Moira. Talk to you soon. The call ends, and Moira gets ready to see Adam Jensen. The pilot operating the hovercraft notices that Hiroyuki and Richard are at the staircase. It looks like they are going to use the stairs. I can't get a visual on them anymore. It's time to get inside. Get us to the window, Michael Armitage says. The hovercraft moves to the window. The Armitage clones shoot out the window, breaking the glass, and all three of them jump into the building. They get inside, rifles are up, and they activate their cloaking camouflage and disappear. Richard and Hiroyuki continue to run down the stairs, but Hiroyuki is getting very tired, and he takes a rest from the running. Hiroyuki is out of breath, and he is sweating hard. What's the matter? Are you all right? We have to get out of here. I'm just a little winded. I'm diabetic, so I have to take an insulin shot. Hiroyuki takes out an insulin shot that is contained in a slim, small-looking pen-like device. He injects himself with it, and then puts the item away after using it. Are you going to be okay? Whatever is going to happen will happen, Dykstra. My father died from cancer. It was horrible to watch. It was a slow and painful death. For me, it's possible I will survive, but there are many outcomes, Richard. Be wary. There are elements of the government that seek to control us. President Armitage should be taken seriously. He isn't just some simple-minded technocrat. We are witnessing Prometheus stealing fire and giving it to man, only to create the industrial military complex and number one on the commander's list, which is complete control. He knows how to utilize technology, and those cybernetic eyes of his, they are evil. They can see everything, Richard. Must do something. You and the others must stop this madness. Currently, I have an AI that must be destroyed. Dykstra, that's just the beginning. Armitage and AI are one and the same. They factor into the overall plan. What do you mean? Kiryuki leans in to speak. That AI you were chasing, it was developed by Armitage Industries, spearheaded by the president's father, 
Garrett Armentage. This is all about them keeping the family business intact and the major dominant power in tech. Richard has a surprised look on his face. He doesn't know what to think, and at the same time, he doesn't want to think about it because to him, it sounds crazy. Now you know. Richard, I've been inside those rooms with the president's people. They are highly dangerous. Hopefully, the video I leaked will open people's eyes. I knew your father. A long time ago, I was a part of the new training program that the United Colonies used on us. Your father was the man who designed it. We were trained in VR to be killers. Hiroyuki looks at Richard and realizes that he is talking to one of those soldiers. I had a feeling you were one of them. Phantom Squad, right? Yes. Well, it's a good thing I chose to end it. I will pay for it in the end. The sins of the father will be visited upon the son. Daigo gets up from the ground. His blood sugar and insulin levels are now steady. Okay, it's time to go. That was a good rest. Richard calls the crew back at the apartment. I've secured Hiroyuki. We are using the staircase. We have company. Okay, be careful, says Zoe. They begin to move, but suddenly Richard feels something get close to him. The invisible stranger uncloaks and grabs both Richard's arms, keeping him from running. Hiroyuki, run now! Hiroyuki immediately starts running. Two people also appear, Darius and Michael. Jesse holds down Richard. Both Darius and Michael chase after the target. Richard breaks free and starts punching Jesse. Jesse misses the first punch, but gets clocked with the second. He charges at Richard and slams him into the wall. Richard comes down on his hands and the blow to Jesse's back stuns him. Richard pins him to the ground, but Jesse squirms out of Richard's hole and prepares to strangle him to death. Richard throws him off again. Jesse, after being thrown again, picks himself off the floor and brandishes a handgun. Richard swiftly kicks the handgun out of Jesse's hand and it lands on the floor. Richard is about to attack Jesse, but Jesse holds out his hand. His magnetic gloves activate and the handgun returns and he shoots at Richard. The shots do considerable damage. Armor piercing rounds. Hurts, huh? Says Jesse. Jonathan can see what Richard is seeing. Richard, those shots did a number on you. Shut it. I got this, Jonathan. Ha! I don't think you do, freelancer. I think you're in over your head. If you're going to finish this, Richard, might I suggest you use some of your new tools I installed in your system while you are out cold? Jesse uses one of his cybernetic abilities and fires a flamethrower from his right arm. Richard narrowly avoids it. Richard's right arm transforms into a blade. He strikes at Jesse and he receives a significant cut on his chest. But Jesse, using his left arm, fires it and attaches to Richard's throat like a grapple gun. Jesse pulls him in close. In moments like these, it's so much better taking someone's life up close. Far more intimate, if you ask me. Jesse begins to squeeze Richard's throat. Zoe chimes in to help Richard. Richard, you do realize you can fire your blade as a projectile? Richard points his right hand at Jesse, and the blade ejects out of Richard's arm. The blade shoots out with the speed of a bullet. It goes through and pierces Jesse's mouth. Oh! He goes flying backward with the blade and gets impaled to the wall. Richard massages his throat with his left hand and gets up off the ground, and he takes the blade and inserts it back into his arm. The body of Jesse falls to the ground. 
The face of Armitage's cloned son is a grotesque injury of mutilated flesh. The flaps of his jaw have been stretched out due to the sheer force from the shot. Richard stares at the body, allowing Jonathan, Zoe, and Helena to see it. He scans it and saves it for the crew to review. That face looks familiar. Where have I seen it before? Richard, time to hustle. Remember, Hiroyuki. Got it. Thanks, Jonathan. Hiroyuki reaches the main lobby of the building, but he is so exhausted from running down the stairs. He takes out his insulin pin for another injection. Darius and Michael appear behind Hiroyuki and attack him. He drops his medical tool and is beaten up by the clones. So, you are a diabetic, Darius says. Hiroyuki's face is bruised up by being punched. No matter, time to eliminate any loose ends. Darius, using his assault rifle, fires it. Richard finishes running down the last flight of stairs and is in the lobby. He sees a body up ahead and runs to it. Richard sees the body of Hiroyuki Daigo. He was shot in the chest. Richard hears a ship lift off and he runs to it. The ship begins to depart with Darius and Michael aboard. Darius walks over to the pilot. Inform our father that Hiroyuki Daigo has been eliminated. Yes, sir. The ship ascends and leaves Sprawl. Its destination, the United Colonies installation. While the city of Sprawl is under lockdown, it hasn't stopped the criminal underworld from convening and enjoying themselves. On the fringes of the outlying sectors, the nightclub, Club Agento, owned by the crime boss Adam Jensen, is going crazy with music, dancers, and syndicate members blowing off some steam. Moira Vanek enters the club. It's extremely crowded. High above the ceiling, suspended by gravitational levitators, we see giant balls, almost like bubbles. And within them, there are female dancers moving to the beat of the music, which is loud EDM club music. Moira walks over to the bar. The bartender, Adriana Veris, is finishing up two drinks. Adriana has long brunette hair. Eyes are green, and she has one side piercing on her nose. She is Mexican-American. The two people take their drinks and slide Adriana credits for tips. She takes the credits and wipes down the bar. Moira, how's it going? Same shit, different day. You look like you could use a drink. Sure, I could use one. Any new additions? How about the blood drop? Yeah, one of my latest creations. A mix of gin, dry vermouth, and some guanidine for that nice bloody red look. Sounds nice, I'll take it. Adriana fixes up the drink and serves it to her friend. Moira has a sip. Wow, clearly you have outdone yourself this time, Adriana. What can I say? I have the magic touch. Say, have any free time available? Maybe we can hang out. It's been a while since we've done anything together. Moira's attention drifts and she sees high above Jensen's VIP suite that overlooks the nightclub's main hall. Hey, are you even listening? Sorry, but no, I'm busy. I don't have any free time currently and I need to talk to Jensen. You're still tracking down that killer robot? Forget about that. The Spectres can handle that. It's more than that, Adriana. My friend, Richard, needs help. Moira, don't go up there. He knows you killed one of his guys to help your friend out. I'm not scared of a crime lord. Moira takes one last sip from her drink and walks to the stairs of the VIP suite. Moira comes to the entrance of the suite. We see a female cocktail waitress serve Adam a martini. With his gold robotic hand, he takes the drink. Thank you. 
darling. You're welcome, Mr. Jensen. The waitress passes by Moira and goes downstairs. Vanek. Ah, yes. The Black Mamba of Death returns. Moira walks forward. Looks like you're having a good time. Unfortunately, one thing still eludes me. Really? What's that? I can't exactly put my finger on it. Oh yeah, that's right. I want your head. Adam draws his pistol, pointing it at Moira. Did you honestly think I wasn't going to let you off the hook? You killed an Axiom Syndicate member, one of our guys. You failed to bring me Legion all because you still have feelings for Richard Dykstra. At this moment, Moira, even though the situation was tense, she was relaxed and in control of herself and had some level of control within the room. Adam, Legion and everything surrounding that thing is bigger than all of us. Richard can't do it alone. I suggest we help him and save the city from that AI menace. I've also learned it's more than just this AI. The United Colonies are corrupt. The president, John Armitage, is planning something sinister. If it's carried out, you can expect all the frontier of space to be under his technocratic empire. Legion might also be related to all of this. What the hell are you talking about? Why should I care about a freelancer or this city? Or even the damn government? Because if you help Richard stop Legion, you and Axiom will be viewed as heroes. The people will not fear you. They will celebrate you for being the one that stopped a killer android. You could be awarded the key to the city by the Sprawl government. You have so many cells within this city. You can easily track down one android. Adam is still holding his handgun. He is thinking about what Moira is telling him. He always lived the life of an outlaw. Maybe this was the point where he could change and gain the favor of the people. Moira's words massaged Adam's ego. His defenses were lowered. Besides, Adam, while also being a crime lord, was also a businessman. This deal seemed too good not to accept. He knew it would be incredibly stupid to just kill Moira right here in his suite and keep partying with his Axiom crew. Jensen lowers his handgun and puts it back into his holster. Alright, Miss Vanek. I like your proposal. I'll take it into consideration. Let me know when Dykstra finds Legion. Recently, some of my own people have had their weapons and vehicles stolen. They have informed me that multiple androids were spotted stealing them. They are planning something. Maybe a revolution. Hopefully not, but I'll let you know when I have more information. Thank you, Adam. Moira walks out of the room. Most people would have been killed instantly if they pulled that in Jensen's club, but Moira just had the right way to approach Jensen. Moira leaves the club. Adriana catches her outside. Hey, did you just talk to Adam Jensen? Yeah, I convinced him to help me out, and he's going to think about it. How the hell were you able to do that? You could have gone... Killed in that room. What can I say? I'm just lucky. I gotta go. I have to help out my friend. Be careful heading home after your shift. The city is not safe. Moira leaves and walks over to her ship, the Outrider, and departs the area. Richard gets back to the apartment. Zoe and Jonathan see him and are relieved he wasn't seriously hurt. You're back. Thank God you're okay. Who the hell were those guys? I have no idea, Zoe. I killed one of them, though. I had the video you sent me. I will look at it, Jonathan says. Where is Helena? She's upstairs. Upstairs, Helena is using her cell phone and calling her parents. She is talking to her mom, Maria. So, are you guys doing okay? Yeah, we are good. It's just a little weird being under this lockdown. Your sister and brother are able to get groceries. How are you doing, though? Those people saved you from that robot 
they must be really nice. Yes, they are good people. I'm actually helping them. One of their friends saved me. And I've been helping them out with the robot that went crazy. Be careful, Helena. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want to receive any news about you being in some sort of trouble. Mom, don't worry about me. I'm doing okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. Okay, well, I'll let you go. Be safe, okay? Got it. Love you. The call ends and Richard shows up. You're back. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Did you find what you needed? Richard nods his head reluctantly. Yeah, more or less. In the sector of the lower city, Legion and Xerxes have amassed an army of androids. These androids worked radiation, worked as soldiers in jobs that dealt with hard labor. Now all of them are ready to rebel. For Legion, he wants to fight humanity because of their cruelty. He wants to be the leader of Sprawl. The androids are all armed with guns. What's your plan, Legion? Xerxes says, we must get to the tower. That's where the superintendent resides. Michael Irving, but also the AI known as the Master. I will hack into the Master and use it to take control of all systems inside the city. The humans will be unable to stop us. Did you manage to get weapons? We did. We also were able to steal some hover bikes and hovercraft from some syndicate members. Good. Let us begin our march towards the main tower. The androids hold up their weapons, chanting, excited ready and prepared to bring down the sprawl government. Some of them walk while others hop on the hover bikes and hovercraft and the journey towards a new beginning draws closer for them, or so they think. Mm -hmm.